Hey everyone and welcome to Sunday Night's Main Event. We are more than just a weekly radio show. We actually have a whole network of shows that cover the entire world of professional wrestling. From Raw and SmackDown to Dynamite and Rampage to Impact to New Japan and everything in between, we've got you covered. In order to get each of these shows, you have to be a Patreon. And to join our Patreon for just $5 a month, head on over to patreon.com slash SNME radio this next show features an snme original and a legend of this brand that's dan demouth lavransky and his partner joe aguinaldo better known as the old f's they're going to be talking all things aw dynamite chat some ratings chat some wrestling talk about the old days because that's what they do best as the old f's they're going to be chatting all things AEW Dynamite. So if you like what you heard, head on over to patreon.com slash Radio, And for just $5 every month, you will get this show and many more. So without further ado, let's get to it. Indeed, brothers and sisters, cats and chicks, yeah, under a frenzy here. Dan the Mouth Lavransky getting really excited. Before I talk about any wrestling and all AEW and Dynamite this week uh, in particular, I just have to rant and rave about the new Iggy Pop record. It's called Every Loser. Uh, it's his best full-length record in quite a while. It's got everything you want from Iggy. It's got the confrontational Iggy, the punk rock Iggy, the in-your-face Iggy, but then it's also got the Frank Sinatra crooning Iggy as well and some really great songs and a team and the band that's on it um, really doing a great job. It's another one of those classic ones where a bunch of youngsters are taking the crafty veteran and uh, putting them in the right setting in the modern world and still making them sound good to all the longtime fans like me. And if you're a fan of Iggy, even going back to the Stooges, you should check out this record. It's really quite good. That's the lead-off track, Frenzy. When you drop the, you get, open up the album, put the needle on, first track, that's the one that greets you. The first thing you hear on the record is the buzzing of the amp. I love it. That's that's so Iggy Pop in a nutshell. So there you go. Check it out. It's pretty damn good. Uh, all right. Yeah, now you might have noticed by now, holy cow, mouth. All I'm hearing is mouth. Well, yes. Unfortunately, this week, my partner, Joe Aguinaldo, uh, in his secret identity as, as the head of IT for a modern global corporation... He had just a crazy day. Plus, also, uh, a big chunk of his team wasn't available to him because of the weather. The weather is so crazy, and half the people that work with Joe couldn't get into work there. So he had a pretty, pretty heavy-duty day today dealing with this crazy weather. If you're not here in Toronto from wherever you're listening, hello, for one thing. Uh, 
snowstorm hit Ontario. A big chunk of the province got this incredibly insane, just pelted with freezing rain. Where we are here in Toronto, we got more snow than anything else. Uh, but I think they keep talking about more ice pellets coming tonight and that. And temperature's staying cold, so it's not going to melt or anything. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy up here. Uh, but I'm still here, and I'll give you the dynamite rundown. February the 22nd, 2023 in Phoenix, Arizona. Or as, they, as it was referenced by the crowd later in the show, Scissorzona. Uh, we started off with the all-Atlantic title match here. Orange Cassidy is the champion against Wheeler Yuta. All right. Uh, so that this one, I, I, again, you know, the AEW classic style match right out of the gate. Bang, zoom, in your face. Uh, this was a good one, too. I thought these two worked together really well. Um, the basic story seemed to be that Orange Cassidy did have an association with Wheeler Yuta when he first came in, and they were kind of pushing this story that Orange Cassidy had been a mentor to Wheeler Yuta, and now, you know, Yuta's in the Blackpool Combat Club with Claudio Moxley and Brian. Uh, so this was, I, again, I thought this was a pretty good match. You know, for those of you out there, I know some of you out there just... Um, you know, you want to just turn off the channel. You don't dig Orange Cassidy as a character or anything like that. But this was a match where you got to kind of see Orange Cassidy as a wrestler. And even though some of it might be gimmicks, he's still a pretty talented wrestler. And the, the, it was shown here for because for the opening section, they really kind of just did some wrestling. They were exchanging uh, uh, pin, uh, quick pin attempts back and forth. They were doing like the crucifix pin both back and forth and stuff like that. So it, they didn't do the comedy off the top. It was more like straight into some wrestling here, which I thought was a really smart way to start the match, kind of draw you in right away and not have to, um, none of the comedy right out of the gate. So they're going at it. Uh, Orange tried to do the seatbelt, actually, which is one of Wheeler's pinning combinations. Uh, at one point in the match here, because I guess Orange is getting the upper hand, and, and I guess this was also to kind of enhance that, the, the, you know, these guys were playing the the BCC were kind of the heels here. Claudio comes down at one point. He actually gets in Yuta's face and he slaps him across the face to motivate him, which it appears to do. And then he goes back in. He goes after Orange Cassidy. He starts biting him right after he does this. I it definitely was like Yuta was working as the heel in this for sure. In fact, he threw Orange Cassidy onto a table, uh, knocked him off the table, flipped the table over top of him, kind of like buried him underneath all this stuff. So they slowly get, he slowly gets out from that. Eventually they get back in the ring. Now, when they do finally do the spots, they did a couple of spots with orange with the hands in his pockets though. But, uh, the one time he did it, you just stood there and just chopped the crap out of him, which was pretty intense. Uh, and then he tossed orange to the outside. They went to pick and pick at this point. Um, so a couple of cool spots in the pick and pick. I think they're in the pick and pick. See, now I'm just watching. I'm getting the straight feed now. I'm not watching it on any kind of network or TV station. So I'm not having to deal with the annoying little box. And it's so much better. But it's also surprising how much cool stuff sometimes you miss because the pick and pick. <laughs> we'll talk about that in one of the later matches for sure. Uh, Yuda, he did the bow and arrow. I think that was pretty much in the pick and pick. Um... Yuta got a wicked brain buster at one point for a near fall. Orange managed to do some German suplexes that looked quite good. Uh, Yuta tried the mouse trap, but Orange got out of it. And they did a weird spot where they were just kind of facing off with each other, and they 
kind of spit. Like, I guess Yuda had gum in his mouth, and he spit it at Orange, and it seemed to stick, like, right on his face. And so Orange just spit him back in the face. Uh, they exchanged big forearms back and forth until they got to this point where they both clotheslined each other, taking each other out at the same time. Uh, they got back up, they're fighting, they're out on the apron, Orange did the back body drop on the apron with Yuda, and then he gave him a diving DDT on the floor, threw him back in the ring, gave him another DDT, but Yuda, he comes back, he gets the beach break on a pile driver, but Orange kicks out, um... And Orange finally gets to run at him, gets to give him the Orange Punch, goes for the pin, but Yuta kicks out. And Orange also did the beach break, and Yuta kicked out of that as well. So, and then finally they worked a little more, and then quickly Orange Punch once again from Cassidy, and he managed to pin Yuta. Yuta, sorry. And uh, uh, at the end of it, you know, even though... Um, you know, there seemed to be the rivalry here. Orange wants to play friends in the typical best friends kind of style, even though they were nowhere to be seen during this match. He kind of wanted to give Yuda a big hug, even though Yuda had lost. But, uh, uh, you know, that brings that brings out Claudio, who's not happy about that. And Wheeler just looks at him and, yeah, and they, he just leaves with Claudio. And the crowd boos. The crowd wanted to see the good sportsman hug at the end, but they did not get it. So... Yeah, again, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good opening match. Uh, I don't know if this necessarily means the Blackpool Combat Club are heels. I think they were just working as the heels in this particular match. Um, and again, I thought it was a good showcase, especially for those who think Orange Cassidy is all just a gimmick. There really wasn't a lot of gimmick uh, in this one. Uh, okay, so after this, we go... Uh, it's with... Um, Backstage and Renee has Hangman Page and Evil Uno. Evil Uno versus John Moxley is the main event on this issue or edition of Dynamite. So Renee says to Uno, "How are you preparing for Moxley?" Uno said, "You can't prepare for him." And then Page just kind of jumps and he says, "Look, I've told you guys to stay out of this business of mine a hundred times." And Uno just cuts him off and says, "You always say that." He goes, "But what I hear is that you think the Dark Order is not on your level." And Uno requests that when the match starts, he does not want Paige to get involved. He goes, if you were a dark order, if you really thought like us, you'd understand. He goes, it's time to stand up for ourselves. And he said, Moxley, tonight you find out why my name is Evil Uno. So still, you know, I don't know if they're going to eventually break uh, Paige off cleanly from the dark order with this, but this was definitely seemed like a kind of like, you know, hey, you know, you said this so long, it makes you think, you know, you make it think like we're not on your level. What's up with that? Okay, so after this, we backstage, we go back out. Uh, I thought it was going to be a match, but no, it was not. It was Ricky Starks coming out. There's a chant from the crowd. They're very happy to see him. Um, he gets out to the ring and he says, uh, you know, I'd love to let you guys chant, but I don't want to get in trouble for going over time. Uh, he said, it's no secret. Over the last few months, I've dealt with the Jericho Appreciation Society and their baseball bats, people dressed up in masks, putting me through tables. He goes, the message is clear, Jericho. You don't want a rematch against me. And he goes, and I accept that. He goes, so I'm going to be moving on from Chris Jericho. 
And at this point, he pulls out a contract, and he said he had an open contract for a match against him at Revolution. And he said, like, you know, like my theme says, the Revolution will be televised, and I'll be damned if I'm going to be left off this pay-per-view. So he basically asked for somebody to step up and come out, and uh, he said, let's do it. So it looked like you're thinking, oh, it's the end with Jericho. They're going to just take him off on a new path here with this. But no, Jericho comes out. He's wearing this outrageous uh, jacket with spikes. And I'm not talking like punk rock spikes. I'm not even talking road warrior spikes. These are way longer. These were ridiculously long spikes. Like it was just, I don't know. It looked like a ridiculous porcupine to me. It did not look uh, menacing in any way. Uh, so he comes out in this crazy jacket. He says, you know, Starks, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to bait me into this match. You go, he says, you say you're over and done with me, but you aren't done until I say you're done. He says, count your blessings that you beat Chris Jericho. It was the highlight of your career. He goes, take it, put it in a box by your nightstand and look at it every night because it is never going to happen again. That was a good line. He goes, I will beat you anytime, anywhere, as you're not at my level. He said, good luck with your open challenge. I hope it goes good for you. So at this point, it brings out pretty Peter Avalon, who, you know, if you're only a strictly a kind of a dynamite watcher, haven't seen this guy in, like, eons, right? Um, but he's still floating around, you know. He's out there, dark, elevation, all that kind of stuff. Um, so Peter Avalon comes out like he's going to take up Ricky Starks on the challenge and Jericho stops him instantly. Jericho gives him Judas effect while he's coming out, coming out of the entrance there and with the spiked jacket on. And that was it. Avalon was done. He was out. So Jericho decides he's going to go up to the ring. Uh, he said, well, you know, Starks, he goes, that's what you get with an open challenge. He goes, everybody comes out. He goes, you want Chris Jericho so bad and you can't have revolution without Chris Jericho. He goes, maybe I should take that little contract of yours and have a rematch and embarrass you. And Starks said, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. You're going to probably bring out the JAS now. You're going to jump me again. And he goes, that's all well and good. He goes, but I want to ask the guy who was the first AEW champion and beat two legends in one night, I guess referring to The Rock and Austin in uh, that infamous WrestleMania where he won the double titles. He goes, I don't know why you need the JAS. You did all that other great stuff by your own. He goes, he goes maybe you think you can't beat me, but I think you have it in you to beat me on your own, which is kind of a weird thing for someone to say that you're going to fight that I think you have in you. What do you have to beat me? Really? Weird. Uh, Jericho says... You think I can't beat you one-on-one? -on -one? He goes, you know, and then at first Starks kind of goes, no. And he goes, but no, no, he says, I believe you can beat me. And then Jericho says nothing, but he grabs the contract from Starks. Jericho says, damn well I can beat you. He goes, I'm the great Chris Jericho. He goes, I'll sign this and even add in that the JAS has to stay backstage during our match at Revolution. He goes, and I would do it right now. He goes, and then really sarcastically, he's like, uh, but uh, I don't have a pen. Um, so Starks goes, ah, but I do, of course. And Jericho gives that kind of disdainful frown, grabs the pen, signs the contract. He says, be careful what you wish for, Starks, because nobody outsmarts the Ocho. And he left. 
And Starks had this big, Starks had this great grin on his face like, ha, 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 I've got exactly what I wanted. So there you go. There They've set up one more match between these guys. Uh, I don't know if it was the most elegant or intriguing uh, setup, but there you go. Um, it seemed kind of strange to me, but... Uh, it's a good match, you know. I know it'll be a good match at the pay-per-view, but I just, I don't know what, I don't, I'm not even sure if I can put my finger on what it was. It was just something about this whole segment to me that just felt kind of weird. Like the whole thing of like, well, what, Jericho would come out and actually do that? And yeah, why aren't you involved in a bigger anger, angle at Revolution? And why would Starks kind of go, oh, I think you could beat me. I think you have it in, me to, in you to beat me. Weird. It's kind of weird. Okay, after this, they had a montage of the various teams for the Tag Team Battle Royal. Uh, so it was just showing all the different teams. Because it was 10 teams, so 20 guys were going to be in the Battle Royal for that spot in the match at Revolution. Um, next up was the tag match. We had Lee Moriarty and Big Bill, who are, of course are accompanied by Stokely, uh, going against the acclaimed. Uh, of course, Caster got to do a rap as he comes out. Uh, the basic highlights, he said Lee Moriarty's mom liked it doggy style. Something about Stokely's cast touching his penis. And he said, Big Bill, your girlfriend just texted me that you're S-A-W-F-T soft. Which used to be that whole thing with him and Enzo in the WWE. So I like how he was taking a nice little shot at that. Uh, so there you go. That's, that's the edited highlights of Max Caster's rap this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so the basic story in this match here seems to be that another one of these, they, they like this in w, or in AEW, which is great because it's such an old school gimmick, paying off other wrestlers to take guys out because that's how this was kind of presented, that the guns hired these two guys from the firm, from Stokely, to take these guys out before the pay-per-view. Uh, and this is this is where we had the chant, as I mentioned earlier, Scissor Zona. The crowd was so pumped for these guys, they uh, were chanting Scissor Zona, Scissor Zona. Probably the definitely the best chant I've heard, best creative chant I've heard in a while. Uh, this one, the match barely seemed to get started, and they went to pick and pick. Um, they, and basically just beat up on Caster during the entire break. Uh, and then right after they came back into the show, the guns came out, stood on the t uh, stood on the ramp there, fully dressed with the titles, just kind of out there to watch the match, not acting like they're going to head down there or anything. Uh, Bowens gets a hot tag after they beat on Caster for a while. He goes after Lee. Bowens actually did the Famouser at one point. He seems to have put that in his repertoire um, from his old buddy Daddy Ass there. In fact, Bowens and Daddy Ass did some scissoring. At one part, they got a bit too excited during the match, and that allowed Big Bill to come in, and he just kind of got in there and grabbed them both and took both of them out. The guns, of course, eventually did interfere. They beat down their dad. The evilest of heels. They beat down their dad. And the crowd did. They bought it, man. They were booing it. They were booing it big times. Uh, Bowens ended up get the got the arrival on Lee Moriarty. Then he tagged Caster. And Caster did the elbow off the top and got the pin. So, of course, the acclaimed uh, get the win in this match, as anyone would have expected. Uh, okay, because we know now for that match at Revolution that it's the it's going to be the Guns and the Acclaimed, and then we're going to have the two teams from the Battle Royals and the one the Battle Royals coming up later in this show. Okay, next up, 
Ah, uh, we got to see here. Tony, Tony's out on the ramp, and uh, he's, I guess, I figure he's bringing someone out, and sure enough, he is. He uh, says, Christian, come on out. They hit the music, and Christian's sauntering out. Um, but as he's coming out, Jungle Boy just comes wailing out of nowhere and just hits him hard with a big-time spear, leaves him lying, and then he just kind of left, which was kind of weird, and Christian's, like, rolling around on the floor. But... We find he comes back quite quickly, and he's got two chairs. So I'm guessing, oh, he's going to give Christian the concerto here. Uh, so he did. He put he took the one, head, uh, one chair and stuck it under Christian's head, and then he had the other chair in his hand. But in typical, maybe, I don't know, it shouldn't be typical, but kind of stupid, he questioned it, and he's kind of like, oh, should I? Should I not? And he just kind of stood there while... Of course, the one shot was not enough to take out Christian. He'd been biding his time. So while Jungle Boy pondered whether this was a good thing or a bad thing, eh, Christian gets him with the low blow. Come on, Jungle Boy, you should have known better than that. Um, so Christian low blows him. Jungle Boy goes down. He corks him with the chair and the head. And then he just takes Jungle Boy's head, bounces it off the chair a few times, and then picks him up and sure, and he kind of leaves him there for a second and the camera folks on him while he taunts, which gives Jungle Boy time to blade. And sure enough, Christian comes back to him, picks him up, and Jungle Boy is bleeding. So there you go. Jungle Boy Christian feud continues because Jungle Boy pondered whether he should do it. Never hesitate, son. All right, after this, we had a quick little thing about the Wardlow and Joe match, which is coming up at uh, Revolution as well. Uh, so they recapped Wardlow and the stuff that he talked about in the conversation with JR last week. And then it cut to Joe, and he said, Of all man's follies, perhaps the worst is delusion. He goes, I scalped you to take the one thing that meant the most to you, your beloved connection with your father. And to send a message that I am not a man to be messed with. So come revolution, I will show you why this is the biggest mistake you ever made stepping back in the ring with me. So there you go, short, nothing to do with Wardlow at all. And just Joe uh, laying it down, man. It's a delusion. Uh, I'm looking forward to that match too. I think, I hope they give them some time. I'd like to see a real kind of big man slobber knocker there. Okay, ladies' match was up next. Um, so we had Soraya, who came down with Tony Storm against Sky Blue. Um, I mean, this one, I mean, you kind of figure what's going to happen here. Although, they, didn't, they did not definitely job out Sky Blue. She did get some stuff in the match here. So Soraya, Soraya and Tony Storm definitely, you know, playing it up full blown heels here. Like Soraya's walking down the uh, down the ramp, giving the finger to everybody in the crowd and stuff. So they're they're definitely playing the heels here. The nasty outsiders that have come into AEW and they're now attacking the homegrown girls. Um match gets underway. I I don't know if it's just me or what, but Soraya still seems a little bit rusty in the ring. Um, to me, there was just a couple times when I kind of thought, uh, things were, seemed to be off with her. Um, there was, uh, one point where she's stomping Sky Blue in the corner, she throws her out, and then Tony Storm gives her a quick snap suplex on the outside, um, 
Sky did get a flying body press and a running knee and a drop kick and went for a pin at one point, but Storm, Tony Storm distracted the ref, uh, but then Sky got up and kicked her off the apron. But Soraya ends up winning with that submission mo uh, move that she has, where she kind of she hooks the leg and then pulls the arms back. Is, is it? I think it's called all locked up. So that was the finish. And they went to spray paint Sky, but Hater and Britt ran out to stop them. And Storm and Soraya ran up the ramp. But then Ruby Soho came out the out the entrance. So she's got Britt and. Um, um, Hater down at one end, and then they've got Ruby up at the other end here. Um, and Ruby's just standing there going, I, I want the belt. I want to do that thing with the hands. The classic thing across the chest or the gut with the hands. I want the belt. So that's where we are left with that one there. Um, yeah, I'm sure obviously I'm going to set up something. Well, as you'll see, there's a little promo here later on that helps kind of set up that whole thing with the ladies here. Uh, okay, but definitely Storm and Soraya are the heels of this, and now Hater and Britt have obviously become the baby faces. Uh, okay, we had a break. Brian Danielson comes out to the ring. Um, this was the setup for a fairly, yeah, you know what? Another promo segment with MJF and Brian Danielson that went just a little too long. Like, you can always see where there's these great, clean, cut it there, and you'd be good. And they always just seem to go a little bit too long. And I found that this week. So Brian comes out first. He says, it's great to be back in Phoenix. Everybody's chanting yes. Um, he says, it looks like I want a lot of people want to see me win the world title at Revolution. He goes, trust me, I'm going to do everything in my power to beat MJF. But first, I want to talk about what MJF said last week. He said he hates Brian Danielson. He tries to break the arm of a friend of mine for over 20 years, and he hates me? He put a bounty on my head so I couldn't even make it to the pay-per-view, and he hates me? MJF hospitalized my mentor, William Regal, and he hates me? And then right at this point, that's it. MJF's music hits. Time for MJF to come out. Uh, so Brian really, yeah, Brian didn't really get to say much. It was mostly like, you hate me. So he's like, what? After all this stuff, you know, that you've done to me, I should hate you. MJF's music hits. He says, uh, you may have all these schmucks twisted, but I know who you are and you know who I am. He goes, I'm the guy that got stranded by anyone I opened up to. And once again, we get one of these promos kind of revealing history of MJF. He said, I'm the guy that got thrown away like trash by everyone that ever claimed they loved me. And then I met a girl who changed my outlook on every single person on this planet. She convinced me that not everyone in the world's bad. So I became the man who got down on one knee and I told that girl I wanted to start a family with her. I wanted to make a home with her. I wanted to have children with her. And he goes, you know what she did, Brian Danielson? She left me. And then he just, big long pause here, He big long pause. And he says, she left me because I was unlovable. The only thing I have left in this life that I can trust and make me feel like unconditional love is the Triple B, the AEW World Championship. It's the only thing stopping me from grabbing a fistful of pills and calling it a day. 
So this idea that yes, he's has never he's never had love except for his love for the title. He goes, but not you. Everybody loves the American dream. They love you and respect you, throw their hands up in the air, scream yes at the top of their lungs. And he goes, and if that isn't enough, you have something I'll never have. A family, a beautiful, smart, adoring wife, two happy, healthy children, and you take all of it for granted. He goes, you know why I hate you? It's not because these fans think you're better than me, because after March 5th, they'll know that's not true. He goes, I hate you because you have had more concussions and more head trauma than anyone in the history of this business. You suffered concussion after concussion until you were down on the ground, foaming at the mouth, having seizures. He goes, and you're still in my sport? He goes, every time you get in the ring, you say that wrestling is more important than your family and children. And every time you get in the ring, you're spitting in my face because you're taking everything that I would kill for, for granted. He goes, you are no worse, you are no worse than your hopeless, drugged out mentor, William Regal, who I gladly sent the hospital. You are worse because you're addicted to the spotlight. And he said, at Revolution, you're going to get all the spotlight you could ever need in an Iron Man match because I'm going to punish you for taking away the one thing I have in this life and everything that you have taken for granted. Now, if it had ended there, I would have been fine with this promo. I would have been fine. Like, MGF, just turn and walk away. Just turn and walk away and, and leave Brian there to kind of think about what you'd said. Like, that would have been it. That would have been it. I would have said, I would have stopped right there, man. I'm going to punish you for taking the one thing that I have in this life, meaning the title, and everything that you have taken for granted, a family. Perfect. Perfect if it had ended right there. But no, MJF looks at the camera and goes, so I want to speak to your children watching at home. And of course, Brian freaks out and says, don't you bring my children into this. I'll kick the shit out of you. Crowd gives them the yes chant. And then the rest of this, it's, I just thought it was overkill. It didn't need to be done. And in fact, I thought it made the whole thing kind of silly. And Jeff said, hi, Birdie. Hi, buddy. It's Uncle Max. I just wanted to let you know that at Revolution, I'm going to make Dada pay for all his selfishness. I'm going to grab Dada's arm and rip it out of the socket until he submits and I make sure he can never play with you again. The crowd's chanting, asshole, asshole at him. He goes, I'm going to make sure he can never pick you up again. Then Uncle Max is going to take his fist and hit Dada in the face with it over and over again. I'm going to give Dada a present on March 5th. And you want to know what the gift is? He says, early onset CTE at this point. Danielson cuts him off, corks him with the microphone. They're brawling. The crowd's going wild. They're brawling in the ring. Of course, 75 security guides run out to separate them, and it just turned into the big pull-apart brawl at this point. Uh, they're both constantly getting away from security and going after each other. Um, Brian Cork, there was one part, man. Brian corked him at ringside with a huge forearm. And they go to they go to break basically with the security trying to get these guys under control and everything. Uh yeah, yeah. It was good and I I enjoyed it, but it should have ended sooner. If it had just ended where he said, I'm gonna take I'm not gonna let you take the only thing I have in my life, and I'm not gonna let you take for granted what you have that I can't have, and that's a family. That would have been it. That would have been it right there. 
perfect. And then, no, they had to add the stupid part at the end here with the kids and that. I just, and the CTE crack, I don't know. I just thought, I just thought it went too far. It went too long. At that point, I was kind of like, you didn't really need to do this. And uh, yeah, there you have it. It's already kind of set up. It just was too long, too long. Uh, okay. So as I said, they went to break. They recapped what happened. And at this point, it was weird. I don't know if it's just a technical screw up or what. It looked like, it sounded like Excalibur was getting ready to throw to something else. And then all of a sudden the camera cut and it went to Shivani backstage. And it was almost like Excalibur went, uh, but oh, there's Tony backstage with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. So that's what we had next. Following up on the match earlier in the show, um, you know, Tony said, hey, I can tell you guys are very angry. And Hayter said, we're not angry, we're pissed. Uh, she said Soraya is getting too big for her britches. She thinks she can just walk in, destroy everything that me and Britt and all the women in this division have created. She goes, I don't like that. I saw her gazing at my belt in the ring the other day. Maybe she is worthy of a title shot since she's only lost one match since she came back. She goes, I do respect that. Look at this big return and everything she's tried to do. Ruin it from the ground up. But I think there's someone else who deserves a title shot at Revolution. And she says, that's Ruby Soho. Since she came back, she's been busting her ass, showing everyone why she deserves a title shot. Tell you what, I'm trying to rack my brain deciding who deserves it more. So let's have a little fun at Revolution and make it a three-way match. I'm going to beat both of you bitches, and neither one of you are going to win this title. So there you go. It's been turned into a three-way at the pay-per-view. Um, kind of a weird way to do it. I always find it weird when a champion makes stuff harder for themselves. That seems so counterproductive. But wasn't, you know, I thought Hater did good here. Definitely, you know, high-end babyface promo, you know, we're here to help all the girls in the division and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe you even are worthy of a shot. And I guess ultimate babyface is, I guess, putting other people in the match when you don't need to. But there you go. Three-way for the women's title at the pay-per-view. Okay. After this, we had me taking a sip of my beer. Okay. We had the Revolution Battle Royal to see who gets one of the shots in the four-way for the tag titles at Revolution. We have ten teams in here. It's top flight. Uh, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, uh, Menard and Parker in there, the Lucha Brothers are in there, Dark Order team of Johnny Hungy and uh, Reynolds, Ozzy Open are in there, Nice and Davari are in there, the Best Friends are in there, Butcher and Blade, and Roosh and Preston Vance. So, it's total chaos, of course, right? Like, just, you know, there's bodies flying everywhere. Mark Briscoe actually runs out. He goes after Sterling and Josh Woods coming off the match those two had on the TV last week. So he basically got Woods out. I don't know if he helped get him eliminated or he just chased him out of there, but that was that. Um, Penta did the fear factor to Tony Nese on the apron. That was it for him. He's tossed. Uh, the Lucha Brothers tossed Davari over the top rope to Sterling and Nice on the floor. So those guys were, that team was out. Um, they they went to pick and pick twice in this match. And I'm just thinking, I'm so glad I'm not watching it pick and pick because I have this tiny little square and you got to watch a battle royal in this tiny little square. It's like, it seems so ridiculous. I would honestly, during this match, 
I would have just went for straight commercials. And then you can recap any eliminations when you come back. Just have the recaps ready. Sticking it in that tiny little box. Horrendous. Uh, one point, Johnny Hungy, and I I did not note who it was he had, but he did a super long vertical suplex. Held the guy up there for a long time. Um, the Butcher and the Blade eliminated Aussie Open. Yeah, they were out pretty early, which was kind of surprising. Uh, Johnny Hungy tossed out the Blade. The Butcher tossed out uh, Alex Reynolds. Uh, Vance got eliminated, and he helped Penta get eliminated by, you know, pulling him out. Uh, Phoenix eliminated Roosh. The Butcher tossed Johnny Hungy. Menard and Parker got tossed by the best friends. And then Lethal and Double J eliminated Chuck Taylor. We go to pick and pick again uh, for the miniaturized microverse, microverse battle royal. That's what it is when it's in the pick and pick. Uh, Phoenix eliminated Butcher and Lethal eliminated Phoenix. It came down to Lethal and Jeff Jarrett and Trent. Uh, Saying, you know, Satnam sings out there. He's not in it, but he was constantly helping uh, Lethal and Jarrett from falling out of the ring. They were kind of doing the Kofi spots, but with Sing. So there was one, um, I think, where he caught, I think he caught one of them or something. And there was another one where they both were going to fall off the apron and he both kind of pushed them back in. Um, Jeff Jarrett got the stroke on Beretta and tossed him over, but then Trent grabbed the top rope and did the classic Ricky Steamboat skin the cat and pulled himself back in. And then Lethal tried to toss him out again, and Trent held on again. And then Orange Cast, so he was holding on like he was going to do the skin the cat again, but you weren't sure because it was the second time. And then right as before his feet hit the floor, Orange Cassidy comes out from under the ring and... Uh, sets it up so that he can sit on his shoulder so he just goes up underneath him there and i don't know how long he was under the ring there if they had a trap door or what but he came out so trent was on his shoulder so he didn't touch the floor and get eliminated uh a lethal lethal finally got eliminated and danhausen who'd been again ringside the whole time too he chased off sanjay dutt um Trent tried to toss out Jarrett, but Singh caught him. That was the hilarious part. Singh actually just caught him in his arms and then just threw him back in again. And then Jarrett got the stroke again on Trent, tossed him out, so him and Lethal win, and so they're in the tag match. So we now know it's the Acclaim, the Guns, and Lethal and Jarrett. Um, not really the team I would have picked to put in there, but if Jarrett's there to take the pin, then I'm all for it. If Jarrett's there to take the pin, I'm all for it. Okay, up next was the, the House of Black bullshit for the week here. Um, another one of these kind of ridiculous promos. Uh, I guess it looks, I guess they're going, they've decided to go after the trio's titles now. Uh, the promos, they're all in, it's all in black, right? And it starts off with Malachi first. And he said, thousands of people is what you heard last week. Thousands of people that feel what we feel and seeing the same thing we've been seeing for months. He goes, but there is a problem within this company, and it's time to address that problem and eradicate it and let these voices be heard. And then Brody King steps into frame, says, the house will bring a firestorm to purify the current landscape of AEW, and on the ashes, the house of black shall establish its foundation on the cinders, and it will be built to last. Buddy Matthews, Steps into the frame. Before revolution, we, the house, 
would like to discuss your status as AEW World Trios Champions this Friday, face-to-face. So basically, they set up this match for Rampage with the House of Black against the Elite. Um, for the trio, I guess it is for the trio's titles. Um, they, I think they tell us later in the show. But um, very weird. So it was almost like, okay, the Elite, you know, the Elite and Kenny, we know that they're like the management in A&W, and it's like they're talk- these guys are talking about the problem with the company. We have to address it with you people. Other voices need to be heard, and we need to destroy that the landscape and build new on top of it. So very interesting kind of promo. I'm not sure if I'm just reading stuff into it, but it definitely seemed like, a, hey, there's a bunch of us here that have not been properly used, and we want to change that. Let's see. Let's see if that's what happens. Me, I'm not quite convinced yet. Okay, we had a break. Finally, I, I don't know if you guys remember this. I'd forgotten about this literally till this point, but one of the big selling points for this Dynamite was that Tony Khan had some super new am- announcement. Most people were saying, oh, it's a video game or, you know, whatever. I don't know. I wasn't, uh, is it a new signing? I didn't think it would be a new signing. <clears throat> but what we got was basically Tony Khan. Renee's got Tony Khan. And he basically just hands it off to Adam Cole. He doesn't really say anything. He goes, ah, here, Adam Cole, you can make the announcement. Okay, great. So Adam Cole comes in. Another guy, super babyface now since his comeback. He said, remember last week when I said I was happy to get all the, get to tell you some of my story? And he goes, well, that day is upon us because next month in March, there's going to be a one-week TV series right after Dynamite called All AEW, no, sorry, AEW All Access. And he says, it's going to be an unfiltered look at AEW like you have never seen it before, featuring me, Dr. Britt Baker, many others. He goes, this is something you don't want to miss. He goes, I'm getting a chance to show my story, all the challenges, ups and downs, and excited to share it with everybody. So there you go. I guess that was the announcement. They've got one of these new kind of reality-based shows now. Uh, He also said, also, the same night that AEW All Access debuts, I make my in-ring return. And for the past six months, I've gone through hell and challenge after challenge just imagining that day, and now it's very close. I'll be damned if I won't be the best Adam Cole ever, and the roster better be ready. And he said, March will be special with the series premiere and Adam Cole is back. So there you go. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I don't know. I, for me, honestly, I'm kind of tired of let's pull back the curtain kind of shows. Uh, they're just, I, I think it's, again, I think it's just the oversaturation. There's just too many of them now. Um, you know, we've got Dark Side of the Ring. We've got all the stuff that the WWE does with A&E now, not to mention all the stuff they did on their own. And now we're going to have another kind of, I guess, reality-style show here with um, the AEW pulling back the, cl- the curtain. I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see how it's presented, how it's treated. You know, it might it might end up being a very captivating show. Hard to say, but... Right now, right now, not having seen any of it, I can't say I'm like, you know, dying to see the first episode. Okay, they ran stuff through here for next week. Uh, So Rampage on Friday, uh, the Young Bucks versus Aussie Open. So that should be an interesting match. Uh, Sammy G takes on Action Andretti. Willow Nightingale versus Tony Storm. Lance Archer returns. 
And we will hear from Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes. And then Dynamite next week, we have that second Battle Royal. They're calling this one the Casino Battle Royal uh, to find out who gets the other spot in the tag match. And Hook has been reinstated, and he will face someone of Stokely's choosing. So there you go. I was worried about that. I didn't know if Hook was going to get off the hook on that one. And they mentioned for the Revolution pay-per-view main event, MJF versus Brian Danielson for the AEW World Championship, Samoa Joe versus Wardlow, TNT title, uh, Soraya versus Jamie, Hader versus Ruby Soho for the women's title, uh, John Moxley versus Hangman Page in their, I don't know if it's their final match, it's a Texas death match though, one more time. Jericho versus Ricky Starks and the four-way for the tag titles, which, like we said, Jeff Jarrett and Lethal against the Guns and the Acclaimed. Um, in fact, uh, in this little section here, they cut to a promo backstage. It's Lethal, Dutt, Jeff Jarrett saying Dutt's all freaking out because they're going to revolution. He's jumping around like a crazy man yelling and screaming. And Jeff Jarrett said, I told you we would do it. But then the Guns walked in. The Guns walked in. They said, hey, we're not here to fight. But we're thinking that at the pay-per-view, maybe it's just us two. And Dutt says, what are you saying? And Colt says, why don't we take care of each other's business before revolution? And Jeff Jarrett says, yeah, we'll take care of business, but will you? And the guns say, we always take care of business. So they leave, and Lethal says, hmm, not a bad idea. And Dutt says, yeah, I got it now. So I guess the idea is they're going to try to take out the other teams in the in the match before because we got a couple weeks of TV to go to the pay-per-view. Uh, okay, after this, we got into our main event. I kind of have to admit, kind of not what I would really call a main event. Moxley versus Evil Uno, I guess, because it's Moxley. Certainly not because it's Evil Uno. But it is only the TV. It's not like the main event has to be killer every week. It's just with AEW, so many weeks it is. So, <laughs> no, I won't say that. We'll save that. Uh, Uno comes out. He just attacks Moxley right at the bell. As soon as the bell rings, he's on him, going after him. They show Hangman Page watching backstage, of course. Uh, Uno does get to dominate for quite a bit early on since he is losing the match. Um, he had Moxley out on the floor. He did the somersault senton off the top, which looked pretty crazy. But then Moxley managed to grab him and ran him into the steps, the steel steps head first. Um, they get back in the ring, they battle for a while. At this point, this was crazy. I mean, it's just, you know, when I was a kid, the pile driver was such a big deal. It was like devastating. No one got up from pile drivers. And I mean, this is even before Undertaker with the tombstone pile driver. Pile driver was just considered one of the deadliest. And you know, in this match, Uno gives him two pile drivers. Moxley kicks out, no problem. Two pile drivers in a row. Man, Paul Orndorff gave you two pile drivers, you wouldn't be kicking out. Uh, Uno, um, they did the spot with Uno getting busted open here, and he got busted open huge off some shots from um, Moxley. Cause his, his, his mask got red really, really quick. Um, you, Moxley's got the bulldog choke on him, and so the blood is just squirting. I mean, it's just he's bleeding like nuts. You know, the commentators are saying he's literally squeezing the blood out of Uno's head. Um, he puts the squeeze on finally so tight. And Uno has to give up, and he, he does give up. Moxley won't let it go. There's blood all over the place. Uh, finally, Johnny Hungy and Alex Reynolds run down, and Claudio and Yuta, they all run down to break it up as well. 
And then finally, Hangman himself runs down. He attacks Moxley, lays in a ton of shots. He actually takes a piece. Page has some barbed wire, wraps around his fist, corks Moxley with the barbed wire. Well, of course, since he didn't get to bleed in the match, Moxley will do some color for you right now, ladies and gentlemen. But that makes sense, at least off a barbed wire fist shot. So he bleeds all over the place. Um, Page was going to give him the buckshot lariat. He flipped around into the ring, but Moxley knew what was coming and bolted under the bottom rope, and he was out of there. And the final shot of the show, Moxley's face just covered in blood. It was amazing for how quick his face was covered in blood after the shot with the barbed wire. Unbelievable, just completely covered in blood. So that was the end of the show there, and... um, yeah, I mean, not a. it really was a storyline main event. It really wasn't about being a great wrestling match or anything there, but just to move the story along with Moxley and Hangman Page. All right, uh, well, there you go. Uh, I, it wasn't like one of the off-the-chart shows, but I thought it was an okay show. I thought the pacing was better on this show as well. Yeah, a little bit too long again with MJF in the promo, though. There, it's It's so funny. It's like, because there are such obvious spots where you could just stop and cut that promo to pieces and it's like yeah they just it, they just it just goes on a little bit too long and takes some of the steam out of it anyways we're very close to revolution so it should be interesting to see how the pay-per-view plays out and of course uh, joe and i will do the after party for that on that very night minutes after the pay-per-view ends we will be out there this should be it's going to be interesting because i mean you're not going to need a ton of matches because you've already got a 60-man Iron Man on there. You've got an hour filled already. So, and with what they announced here this week, another five. I would think I would think you wouldn't really want to go much past, you know, uh, one, two, three, four, five other matches already besides the Iron Man. I would say the card has got to be pretty well established. Um, I mean, even for like the usual four-hour. Um, well, maybe they'll add more. I guess it depends how long they want the show to go. It probably will go four hours. So I guess we will see some more mats, matches added. Um, it's early in the afternoon when I'm doing this since Joe couldn't join me. Uh, so I don't have it. The ratings are not out yet. Um, but it's always interesting leading into the pay-per-view to see what the ratings are doing, if they're doing well or not. And, Ed, obviously the show after the pay-per-view is always interesting to see as well. All right, well, that's it for me. I'm going to get on out of here. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and checking out all the SNME podcasts. It's turning into this huge, insane network there with so much stuff to listen to. And it's not just wrestling. There's all kinds of great stuff. So, Patreons! Trebian, thanks for your support. And I am out of here. Brother. All right. There you go. There you go. There you go. Where are we here? Oh, no. The tape ran off the spool. <laughs> See, look at how shorter it is when it's only one person. Okay, so yeah, that's it. Thank you, Boris. Bye. So there you have it. I hope that you like what you listen to. And just remember, you can get that show and every other show that we produce. If you are a patron and to join, all you'd need to do is go to patreon.com slash SNME radio. And it costs you $5 every single month. 
We hope to see you there. And just remember, stay tranquilo.